Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is the Grizzly Talk Podcast with your host, Kennedy Patterson, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in front of the mic here in Swanky Studios, of course, to bring you guys the next Grizzly Talk Podcast episode. We are live from, of course, Swanky Studios, but we're streaming on Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and also our hit radio station that's international, GTP 94.6, the radio station. So let's get on to the great news announcements today. We've got a lot of fun things to talk about here today. And of course, I saw this on my desk this morning in my office. And of course, I knew I was going to talk about it here on today's podcast. Of course, it's exciting, y'all. For the seventh straight year in a row, GGC recognized in multiple U.S. news and world report rankings. For the seventh straight year, GGC has been ranked the most uh, diverse southern regional college Ever. I mean, that's great. According to the 2021 U.S. News and World Report magazine college and university rankings released today, GDC is proud. Excuse me. GDC is proud to offer a vibrant environment where our diverse student body learns and grows within a campus community respectful of different ethnicities, cultures and beliefs, says Dr. Jan L. Joseph, our president, of course. Diversity defines a key strength of G of Gwinnett uh, community, excuse me, and Atlanta region. Of course, the ranking was based on the data report from college fall 2019 semester with 12,831 students and ethnic uh, compositions of GGC student bodies was 32% African American, whoop, whoop, you know, 28% white American, uh, Caucasian, 24% Hispanic, 11% Asian, and 4% multi- ethnic so that's a great milestone ladies and gentlemen because i mean we're the most diverse school in Gwinnett county in the atlanta area so that i mean to me that goes a long way because diversity is what it's all about um in today's society we try to practice more of that because you know the craziness that's going around the world but that's a huge milestone and for the ggc community you guys have to be proud of that honestly Of course, GGC was also ranked in the top 20 public schools category among regional colleges in the South and earned recognition for its economic diversity as top performer as social mobility and its low student debt load uh, load at graduation. While GGC ranked at 66 among regional college in the 12 state southern region, it is ranked number six in Georgia among University System of Georgia uh, participating colleges. So that's Number six, that's a lot. And there's a lot of schools in Georgia, believe it or not. Because you got, let's see, you got uh, Georgia State, you've got Georgia College, you got Georgia Tech, you've got Kennesaw, you got us. Uh, let's see what else you got. You got the Georgia Highlands, you've got Barry College, you got Gordon College, uh, Clayton State. Am I missing any? Uh, Agnes Scott is actually one of them. Uh, Spellman and Morehouse. I don't, I think they're still in the, yeah, they're the University of Georgia. Um, you got Mercer. You got so many. Oh, Georgia Southern. You have so many. Oh, West Georgia. You can't forget about West Georgia. I'm looking at my producer and he's smiling. He's like, Kennedy, <laughs> trying to name them all. And, you know, I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, North Georgia University, I think. That's that's the school. Oh, UGA. How can I forget UGA? So there's a lot of schools in Georgia. And we're ranked number six. So that's 
that's a big milestone. It really is a huge, huge milestone. And I, I'm proud of GGC of that because diversity is one thing that I, I like to strive on. And it, it goes, it can go a long way with that. And I just, I'm proud um, for that for sure. Of course, more news announcements today. Of course, Olas, they posted something today on their story. Of course, they're getting ready to celebrate uh, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Just to name a few events that got coming up, of course, to I want to say this is to tomorrow, September 15th. I think that is tomorrow. Let's see. Yep, that is tomorrow. Of course, they're going to have the uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Hispanic Heritage Month uh, Festival from 12 to 3.30 p.m. Of course, you guys, don't miss it. It is going to be a great uh, time of an event. Of course, you're still going to practice that social distancing, keeping six feet apart, but they've still got their festival going on at the Student Plaza. They did something like this last week, I want to say, or the week before last. They was getting ready to celebrate their up-and-coming events that's coming up. So they have the festival tomorrow from 12 uh, p.m. to 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon. That's kind of a, kind of a, a, a free slot, you know, some students might still be in class around 12, but when you get out at 2, then you have 2 to 3 to really go out, explore outside. And I went outside today, and I know today is not tomorrow, obviously, you know, but <laughs> it's it feels really good outside. So, of course, I go outside and I get my exercise. I, I run in my neighborhood and whatnot. But as I was leaving the house to come here to the office, it was such a wonderful, wonderful uh, day outside. So I really recommend you guys going out and doing that for sure. Going to this festival tomorrow from 12 to 3.30. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to have some really good treats there. So I really recommend you guys doing that. September 17th and the 24th, A Taste of Latin America. That's going to be 11 to 3 at the dining hall. So starting out September 17th, you guys don't want to miss that for sure. That is a Thursday, this Thursday coming up. So if you guys want to do that, I really recommend a taste of Latin America in the dining hall. You can't go wrong with food, can you? <laughs> That's right. So, you know, shout out to Olas. Uh, I'm good to see them back in business for sure. I am proud and I just can't wait to see what else they got going up for them for sure. Of course, post by the GGC Strength Athletic Performance. Of course, uh, the GGC Men's Soccer, they're putting in work this morning at the uh, fields there. They're working now. They're getting ready for that. Um, I can't wait to see what they do. Um, this next spring, it's going to be quite interesting for GGC Athletics. Um, we may not be able to broadcast it because, of course, I, <laughs> I graduate. But, you know, um, they're, they're going to be doing soccer season and spring season next spring. So I'm very interested to see how that's going to work when it comes to the production side of things. I'm pretty sure they're going to nail it in the park for sure. But I am excited to see what they're going to do for that to have all the sports occupying at once it's going to be very very exciting for sure of course this came just came across my desk today they wanted us to help them promote of course grizzly serve of course get involved register people to um vote virtually 2020 of course you see uh grizzly serve is partnering up with the um i don't know what this is the ga we're going to see what that is. The Oh, the Georgia Muslim Border Project uh, to assemble Grizzly Active Team. The Grizzlies Active Team will be made up of volunteers. Of course, Grizzlies serve. They do it again. Let's give a round of applause for them, y'all.
the fact that Grizzly Serve is partnering up with a new organization to assemble what they're calling it, the Grizzlies active team, of course, is a, it's made up of volunteers. And the reason why we gave them a, a round of applause on today's show is because Grizzly Serve is a great organization that does a lot of community service work. You guys remember a couple weeks back, they were rebuilding some gardens and, it, you know, they had volunteers out of their free will, out of their time. They, they might have time to do something else or had to do something else, but they gave a little extra more time to volunteers. So that's why we gave them a round of applause because they're giving uh, volunteer work and that's really good. Uh, whose goal will be uh, to get campus members to register to vote and ensure that they receive accurate and timely voter education resources. We're uh, actively recurring Students to serve on the Grizzlies active team. You can sign up by using the link below. Um, in their link is Grizzly Serve. It's their Instagram, of course. It's Grizzly Serve. Instagram is Grizzlies. The word Grizzlies dot serve. Again, that's Grizzlies dot serve. It has a, like a white background. There is a, a precincts uh, voters link. You click that link and you get signed up for the Grizzlies active team. So please, if you have just an hour or more time to spare. This semester, this is something that can go a long way. Let me tell you why it can go a long way. Number one, you're giving back to the community. I've always been about giving back to the community anywhere, anywhere I can. So that's that's one thing I do like about it. Number two, you can put this on your resume. You never know what networks you build until you go out and you seek something or you go out and invest some time into something. You volunteer for something. And then they might want... For your future career, you might need that as a reference. You might need that as leadership. And this kind of goes with leadership, uh, to be honest with you guys. So you're killing two birds with one stone. You're getting more out than what you're putting in. So I really recommend you guys volunteer for this. Of course, the Grizzlies active team. It's free volunteer work. Um, You can put it on your resume. It can go a long way. Uh, I'm pretty sure members from Grizzlies Serve would be happy to write you a recommendation letter if needed. So that's why... This is important, not just because of the stuff you can get out of it, but you do it for good health. You do it for your good image. You do it for your great spirit. So kudos to Grizzly Surf for that. Of course, for our future Grizzlies that want to become a Grizzlies, of course, free uh, to apply for GGC starts uh, started the 9th of September and ends the 16th. So it ends this week. Ladies and gentlemen, if you hear our podcast and you're new to GGC or you're thinking about coming to GGC, of course, apply for free September 9th through the 16th. The link will be in the GGC's official Instagram bio for sure. You guys go ahead and really link up and really, really enjoy uh, signing up for free, applying for free, and to get in the door and start your GGC career for sure. So we're going to play a little music. Of course, we wouldn't go away from that music. But when we come back, we'll do a closing and, of course, our sponsorship for today's show. Coming up next here on the Grizzly Talk Podcast. Enjoy the move, enjoy the music, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back, to, of course, to the Grizzly Talk Podcast with your host, Kennedy Patterson, for sure, ladies and gentlemen. Sponsorship time before we close out today. Of course, the first sponsorship goes out to the Hidden Hills Watch Collection. Of course, you guys can go to our website, and it's on our link description. Go to the KLPE store. Once you go to the KLPE store, you can select a few uh, hand-selected watches, of course, and uh, a discount code will be provided for our website for sure. So please, go out and check out, of course, Hidden Hills Watch Collection via the KLP e-store. We're booming in the e-store, and you guys really enjoy shopping from us. And, you know, I'm I'm humbled. I'm proud. So that's going to do it for the Greasy Talk Podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's show. Let us know what you think. If you're ready for next episode, stay tuned, because it's coming up next this week. Of course, that's going to do it. For my GGC community, stay safe and go Grizzlies.
Behind the Dish is sponsored by DBAT. Check out DBAT.net for baseball and softball products, franchise information, and to find a location near you. And now your host, John Piper. I met my next guest three ABCAs ago in Indianapolis on a Sunday morning as the convention was wrapping up and immediately had a connection uh, with his enthusiasm uh, he has for the game. He's a people person, his desire to make all the people around him better. Welcome, Coach Jeremy Sheetinger, to Behind the Dish. Pipes, thanks for having me on, my man. Fired up the sitter with you. Remember that? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong long learner as well. Yep. And um, the exhibit hall shuts down on a Saturday, just like it will today. Yep. And I had an opportunity to come down and, and go to some coaches' sessions on Sunday morning. And so thankful I did because I, I met you. Yep. We're, we, uh, you've been on before. You were uh, so gracious to come on early on when I started this three seasons ago. And uh, we had a lot of fun with it. We did yes. it remotely, so it's yeah. always good. And I know, I know you do some of your podcasts remotely, too, but it's always good sure. to connect in person, especially in a live environment uh, like the ABCA. It's it's a totally different dynamic when you can look eye to eye. I mean, that's how we all communicate. You can feel body language. You can feel presence. It's a totally different space. And it's like, you know, in the course of interviewing, you try to get on a comfort level where it's as good as it can get remotely. But if you can trade that in, I'd do it 10 times over to be able to sit in front of somebody. Yeah, especially that 10 or 15 minutes, you get a chance to visit with uh, the guest or the coach That's right. prior, you know, a little pre-show discussion to just con- confirm some things. So, yeah. um, man, it's so awesome to see. And I know, uh, you know, after spending four years, and we'll talk about that more here in a minute, uh, your role at the ABCA, you had trouble even getting to the booth here because <laughs> everybody you run into knows uh, – Coach Sheets with all the stuff you, you've done, uh, not only at ABCA, but you're, you're doing uh, with your media and your podcast sure. as well. Sure, yeah. It's a it's a blessing and a curse. It's uh, all my good buddies I used to come here with, and we could always eat lunch together and eat dinner together. And over time, you do some cool things. You meet more people. Your network grows. And um, it's a blessing, man. I, I'm, I'm honored. Even the guy I've never met before, Pipes, like, don't know his face, don't know him from Adam, but he feels compelled to talk about the things that we did at the association that's challenged him to grow and get better. And it's always, a, it's, it really is humbling, flattering. It's all those words that, that mean a lot to me. Well, you attend the 76th annual ABCA. That's, man, let that sink in for a minute. Yep. 76 years, group of coaches have been, been coming together to meet and share knowledge. It's such a great resource. After taking the job this summer as the head coach of Georgia Gwinnett College, you attend this <laughs> ABCA it's literally coach sheets because you're yeah. back in the coaching game. That's right. Uh, I was joking around with a couple guys. It was the first time in five years I had to use my barcode. Because <laughs> usually I beat, er- funny. I beat everybody here by, f- by four or five days, and we're setting up, getting things ready. And uh, But to get back in the trenches and to check in and to uh, try to navigate my schedule, my agenda, and do those things, it's – it's, I definitely will be better prepared next year. I was out of practice this year, but I'm getting better. Well, well how does it feel uh, putting a uniform back on? You know, it was everything I thought it would be. <laughs> um, so when I got out uh, and moved to ABCA, I, uh, I'm also an associate scout, special assignment guy with the Atlanta Braves. And so it's my fifth year doing that. Well, that was my way of saying, hey, I still want to put on a uniform every once in a while. So when we did camps and stuff, I was able to wear the Braves stuff. But now coming back and – Honestly, first practice when I got to put my practice pants on and I got to grill out there and swing a fungo with my guys, uh, very surreal. And uh, don't take it for granted any day. 
Well, you know, you inherit a program that's uh, starting its eighth season, but yes. already had a tremendous amount of success. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, last year in 2019, 48 and 13 with a number four national ranking. You know, the expectations are high coming yeah. in. Yeah, well, on a few fronts. So the, the complete scope is seven year old program, three World Series. They've averaged 47 wins a year. Uh, we've had 21 players signed professionally in seven years, six off last year's team. And uh, when you lay out that, plus back-to-back uh, -back World Series appearances, finished fourth last year, when you lay all that out, and then, John, you start to look at the fact that I believe my athletic director is a rock star, our athletic department, six sports, all six sports finished last season at their respective final site. Uh, all of us know why we took the job. It's exactly why I took it. This is the chance to say, hey, this program's growing so we can build stability but can you be the guy that brings the first trophy back? I don't know if I am yet, but I, that's why I took the job. I want to find out. I want to compete against the best and figure it out. After serving four years uh, with the ABCA, the American Baseball Coaches Association, for those first-time viewers, were you looking, were you hungry to get back in coaching, or did this opportunity just kind of present itself uh, like a lot of great opportunities sure. do, just kind of out of left field? So, and we talked about this in our friendship. I, I Honestly, for three years, first three, completely committed to not coaching. So my wife's college volleyball coach. Uh, I was obviously a college baseball coach. We found out we were pregnant with our son Cooper, and we both looked at each other and said, hey, we, we, we want to raise a family more than we want to coach a team. ABCA opportunity came along. Couldn't come at a better time. It's all God's timing. And uh, for three years, I literally, anybody would ask, I would say, there's no way I'm coaching again. Man, I love my gig. I love what I'm doing. And um, Pipes this last year, man, was one of the hardest years for me. I I went to so many games and World Series and conversations, and I would watch games and go, man, I, I, I can still do this. And the itch was there. I tried to ignore it. We got down to the end of the season, and I had a couple phone calls, one of them being uh, about Georgia Gwinnett. And uh, the minute my heart started fluttering, I knew that was real. Um, and so I, I walked towards it scary, terrified to leave behind what we've done here at ABCA. But, again, when I look at it, and I'll go into more. When you look at 11 years, and I'm not uh, maybe sold on the way that I went about those 11 years, the spirit in which I coached, a lot of ego-driven stuff, a lot of wins and losses, lacking in relationships. And honestly, maybe I'm trying to sell a book here, but I have a chance to rewrite my own script. And I, I can, I'll be able to die one day and be at peace with that. Well, we're always, uh, you know, really living out a, a new chapter in our own book. Sure. And, you know, whether you publish it ever yeah. uh, or not yeah. but it, it's it's a great story and you know you've had a chance to be on campus uh, now this past semester you know obviously you got a chance to meet uh, great timing you know as a transition in, yeah. into a head coach you know uh, right after the season's over you meet all your players have you had to do any recruiting to fill out your roster for this uh this upcoming 2020 season yeah so i so i got the job late and it's just the way that hiring practices go a uh, state school and the head coach before me got the head coaching job at georgia state another state school and it's not like a private school where you can just flip on a dime and hire somebody. There's a whole process that goes into it. And so what started in early July didn't finish until August 1st, and we started classes the 14th. So wasn't able to get any new recruits in. But you know what? We had 35 guys on our roster, uh, 17 returners from last year's team. And um, we just looked at it and said, I love this team. I love where we're at. I love my guys. We, 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 we could use maybe one or two pieces that could enhance what we do or give us another option. So we're bringing two guys in here at break and uh, infielder and a pitcher. Y'all never get, have enough arms and, and certainly want another bat for an option. Um, but, yeah, it, it, looking at it and just trying to figure out, John, as we move forward, 
how will we recruit where you're building a program that on a level generally the winning teams have transfer players so we're being cognizant we got to stay in that spirit and there's a point I'm hoping that in five six seven years we can start to balance that roster between high school development and not just impact junior college or transfer kids. We're, we're working on it. We're yeah, there's it always moving, moving parts always. inside a program. Always. So uh, you'll do a great job managing those moving parts, I'm sure. Appreciate that. Um, you know, your athletic director, uh, Darren Wilson, who you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, in the press conference, I got a chance to see that. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned here, I'm going to quote him, Thankfully, we had one candidate that rose to the top. We came out of that room with a unanimous choice. Wow. I I know every head coaching job, I don't know how many, if he even shared with you how many candidates that applied, probably at least, I'm just going to guess, at least a dozen or more. So to have him say that and, uh, you know, to work for a a guy like that that has a lot of faith in Jeremy Sheetinger, that's got to be important to you as you start your career. your yeah. stint there at Gwinnett College. So go a level deeper, and again, it's all funny when you get the job and you get all the stories. I certainly wasn't the unanimous choice when they started the process. I think when you looked at my resume in, in 11 years, I don't have a conference championship. I don't have a national championship to point to. I had some success as a head coach but didn't equate to a trophy. And then you're out for four years. I was the only candidate that wasn't a current coach that came down the wire. So, yeah, it, it yeah. took some faith. So, hey, we're both from Kentucky. You know, yeah. we talked about that on our first podcast. We went uh, from Frankfurt, and I'm from Lexington. So we use a little horse analogy. You were uh, probably at the, at the early stages, you know, two, of week, the pack. two weeks before the derby, <laughs> yeah. you were a 50-to-1 shot. Is that fair to say? 1,000%. I mean, yeah. and, and Derek, we, we've talked a lot about that. Obviously, we're very close. I He's a big piece of the reason why I took the job. I want to work. I want a mentor. I want a leader in my life. He's that guy. He's done a fantastic job, continues to lead us every day. And um, I walked into it and went, you know, I, I realize that when you – and our soccer coach, uh, women's soccer coach, Dr. G, gives me, gives me flack all the time. He's like, when you lay your resume out, it doesn't jump off and say you're the guy. So I knew that when I had my phone interview, John, I knew I needed to show up. And I absolutely crushed my phone interview. And I knew that I needed to, through that phone with all of them sitting around, go, dude, there's energy, there's passion, there's a plan, there's a process the way he wants to do this. And, and, and it made me get, get it on campus, and the rest is history. That's a great point for uh, you uh, high school players that are looking to play at the next level. you got to present yourself in a way that gets a coach to say, you know what, that kid stands out. Sure. That coach stands out, and sure. you got their attention. Yeah. In any marketplace, you know, there's 360 exhibitors here. It's hard to, to get people's attention, so you got to do something a little unique and different yeah. and have a good platform or a good product. Yeah, we. Uh, it's pretty funny now. I didn't realize this at the time, but when uh, I got to campus, there, there's a security guard, and his mantra, anytime you see him, it's a great day to be a grizzly. I didn't know this. He would say that as you – any anybody for years that that so that's like the joke it's it's a great day to be a grizzly and um i i get on the phone call and i'm going how can i come out right out the shoot and let them know that i'm all in already i don't have the job yet but i'm all in and i literally how's everybody doing it's a great day to be a grizzly and the whole room laughs and i'm going well there's more to that it was you know what's like, oh my good it, there was more to it and then i come to find out that's a thing that they talk about all the time on campus, and, every, and that's the mantra in our athletic department. It's always a great day to be a Grizzly. But you got that from, from the uh, on-campus security? No, Before, I got that from just, I just want to do something to. Oh, so you had no idea. No that clue. That was a, and then it all started. I'm going, oh, like my a, God. a slogan. And how it hit home for Oh, them. perfect. So that's our mantra in our department. Like, you wake up every day, it's raining, it's snowing, it doesn't matter. It's always a great day to be a Grizzly. But you know what? Uh, what, what I've learned uh, and really respect from you, Sheets, is 
you're always yourself. And it took some courage to do that. You probably thought about, do I want to do that? Do I not want to do that? Oh, yeah. You probably wavered and like, hey, oh, that's yeah. who I am. That's my personality. I got to be who I am if yeah. I'm going to be the coach at Gwinnett College. So the big piece that I've figured out, and I certainly, as a younger coach, I modeled. I tried to be Augie Garrido. I tried to be John Cohen. And I was never myself. I almost talked in third person right there. Uh, I was never myself. And uh, that was a regret I had. And so I think when you get a chance to interview, so certainly if it's a player talking with a coach, you can't portray this image of yourself that you want to be. You need to be exactly who you are. And certainly when you walk into a job interview, dude, you can't hire me and then I show up and I don't walk the walk. I don't say the same things. We're not doing it all. You can't be that guy. You have to be who you are and know that, that what you're hiring is exactly what you're getting. Well, you coached at, at all divisions, uh, college baseball, from 04 to uh, 2015. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know you're excited to get back on the, on the field. Uh, some of your coaching stops, uh, you know, in Kentucky, Georgetown, <coughs> Brescia. Uh, you spent your last couple of years before you, you took this job at Spalding College mm-hmm. in Louisville. How did some of those stops, and obviously uh, at, a, at a, a school we're both very proud to say we uh, I guess where I'm a mater, sure. coaching, and, sure. and I was a student there, the University of Kentucky. So, yep. so you worked, uh, you know, Division One at the University of Kentucky for several years as well. How did all those stops uh, sheets prepare you uh, to be a better coach now here oh, in 2020? My goodness, I think uh, it's a great question. I think when you go down and try to boil it, it's when you look at all those stops, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow on the main stage. You you, you talk. You look at it and you go, yeah, you know, that stop, it was a rough two years, and I got one in particular, it was a rough two years. But you know what? Sometimes it's not always you learn what to do. Sometimes you learn what not to do. You learn where you were at fault or where the other person was at fault. And so then I can put myself in their shoes and go, okay, when I get in that situation, I'll handle it differently. And so when you go back to it, you go, you got a chance to uh, learn that in eight years that I was an assistant out of my first 11, I don't think I was ever a very good assistant coach. I just I, I, I wanted to be a head coach so bad. I wanted to have a voice. I wanted to be out in the forefront, and I never served my head coach. I think you look at, in regards to that, when I was a head coach, I don't think I empowered my assistants very well. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm hypercritical. You're your own worst critic, but I'm super hypercritical. I want to be great. I want to move in that direction. But to be great, you got to be really good for a long time. And so I want to make sure that I'm cognizant of what my assistants are going through, how can I develop them and challenge them to be great, uh, making sure that I empower them. I have delegated more in this job in four months than I ever did in three years as a head coach, making sure they know that I want them to have a hand in where this is going. It's not on me, and it won't be. Um, and I think beyond that, you just look at all the different elements of uh, experience and perspective. And I'm drawing on that going, hey, this is how we recruited at Kentucky, and this is how we got the players we wanted. It's certainly not Kentucky. But it, it's a Division I setup that plays NAIA baseball. So we can operate in a Division I manner, not in a traditional small school manner. So how are we going to be great at that? So you look at all those experience, you boil them down, you just go, I'm, I'm where I'm at because it's where I'm supposed to be. But where I was was exactly where I needed to be so I could be great where I'm at. That's a great segue to my next uh, question. You talk about really what I'm hearing is, hey, it was about me. I wanted to be a head coach so bad. I want to do whatever I could yeah. for me become a head coach my career and your focus wasn't necessarily always on your assistants or your players so but you talk openly about how now you've learned you've been humbled and we all are as as humans we're all imperfect how you've been able to check the ego start this this new role and part of that is is 
the three and the four years you spent at ABCA just oh, to yeah. reflect on your coaching career yeah. was really uh, a, a great chapter in the book that you're still writing yeah. to prepare you. And uh, talk to us a little bit about how ego can get in the way uh, as a player. You know, you played at a high level yeah. and as a coach. Yeah, uh, it is the enemy. As Ryan Holiday in this great book, it is the enemy. Um, I think when you know when you're ambitious, and I'm certainly am very extroverted. If you can't tell, I'm certainly not shy. My brother is the shy one in our family, and I got all the extrovert genes. Um, my dad was a professional speaker, so I have zero issues getting in front of anybody and talking. And and certainly with with comes that is confidence. I'm very confident in who I am. I know I spill coffee on my shirt every day, but I'm a pretty sweet dude. So you want to hang out with me? Like I'm very confident in that. So I think when you when you look at all those things, you you, you approach, um, you know, this situation, and I didn't realize it at the time, John, but I really believe it was a God thing that he reached his hand and went, I'm going to pull you out of what you thought your career was, and I'm going to transplant you into this where you have to learn servant leadership or it's not going to work. And to be in that space, and, and honestly, uh, very truthfully, it took me a year to understand that that's what the that's what the craving was. You have to serve these coaches, and you have to find that spirit, and then figure out elements and platforms to do it with. And learning that, uh, I honestly feel like was exactly the segue to get back. And I talked about writing my own script, but I know going back, um, I knew who I was, but I know who I am now, and the, and the, the differences are glaring. Um, it is all about my players. My players are my heroes. They are my rock stars. And I work every day to do what we can to promote them and to push them and develop them. But more than that, and probably the biggest point, is I absolutely love my players. And more than that, John, I don't just say it. I mean it. And I don't just mean it. I show it. And I hug them. I bro hug them. We don't end a team meeting without me telling I love you guys. I'm now getting players. One texted me this morning and just said, just thinking about you, Coach. Can't wait to see you tomorrow at the team meeting. Love you to death. And it's like to have an 18- to 22-year-old man where I was in an environment with a single father, you just don't cry. We don't show our emotion. I, I don't know if I ever cried um, in a lot of different moments, and I'm helping my guys understand that, dude, there's power in vulnerability. There's power in the ability to um, – It's okay to show emotion it's okay. as a man. It's yeah. okay. And, and, and so you got to keep in mind, too, we're a very diverse program, team situation. Um, you know, we're in greater Atlanta. So it's a mix of the inner city kid and the country kid. But I may be the only male role model in their life. So if I'm not willing as a 38-year-old man to tell them that I love them, then how are they going to grow up as a father and a husband? I'll tell you this, too. I'm so grateful that I now have two kids. I'm a much better coach because I have kids. Fatherhood. Than I ever was when I was single and, and yeah, didn't have a – changes things. Oh, it changes, changes everything. It's game changer. Yeah. Well, Coach, uh, for future players out there, you know, you start your eighth season or you don't start the eighth season, but the yeah. eighth season as a yeah. program at Georgia Gwinnett uh, College, uh, I know you're excited about the facilities and the investment that they made in the baseball program. Just being only eight years young, what can you talk about for that uh, – high school player, that uh, college transfer player that may want to consider coming and playing for you. Talk a little bit about the facilities oh, and, and the, I'd love to. the program. Um, so it's a really unique situation. Our school is 15 years old. We are the only four-year institution in the country that was built after the year 2000. So we're 15 years old. Every building on our campus is brand new. Our athletic department, thankfully, uh, was established as soon as the school was, and they started banking some money so that we could, when we were ready, build a facility, do it top-notch, not go into debt doing it, do it all on cash, and, uh, and move forward with an athletic department. And so when you look at our facility, we've got a great athletics building that splits baseball field and softball field. 
our baseball field is, as they say, uh, for NAI coaches, the Yankee Stadium of NAI baseball. You can't draw it up any better. Yeah, I've seen pictures of it. It looks phenomenal. It's a Division One field, and and that's the piece I, I go back to. I've coached on all those levels, and I'm going, man. There's mid-major Division ones that would crave to have what we have, and here we are, a small NAI school. So you lay that out. We, our weight room overlooks our field. My office overlooks the field. Um, we've got two full-time assistant coaches. We've got a full-time strength coach. Sheets, you're looking kind of buff. You've been hitting the weight room with the guys. Hey, it's right beneath my office, so I need to be down there uh, <laughs> more probably. But you, you start laying all this out like the, the, the full-time strength coach and a, a full-time training staff, full-time, you know, every piece of the puzzle that, John, I learned that you better ask these questions, GGC checks every one of them, and it's tenfold. And so when you start laying all out, again, I talked about the success of the program. I've got two fantastic full-time assistant coaches. My volunteer coach was my college coach that I've convinced to move back from Canada and come coach with me. I've got a mentor in the dugout with me that knows how to check me. That's the X factor right there. Yeah, I think. Well, and I, and I told Steve and Kyle, my other two assistants, that what Allen brings is we are yin and yang. He's very reserved. He's quiet. He's and I'm more detailed out in the open and go. And he's my yang. And so we always go back and forth. We we've coached together before. He knows how I roll. But he's also, if I ever step away from who I am and who I'm thriving in being, he'll put me back in my place, and he does it religiously. And so you start to lay all the things. Recruiting-wise, um, like I mentioned earlier, this is a situation where we're going we're gonna to live on a transfer level, but we're looking for the right high school guy. Not every 18-year-old freshman can come into GGC and compete for a job. We've got to be very strategic about who those guys are. Um, but making sure uh, any high school coach listen to this, any travel coach listen to this, your best player is the player we need. We are not a small school that runs out 82s to 85s. Our starting rotation on the weekend is going to be 90 to 93. we got kids in our bullpen that are 94, 95, and that's, we're a top five NAI program. we got to compete against the best. Well, a lot of the coaches I talk to, and I'm sure you do as well, Sheets, uh, they bring in about eight, nine players a year. About four are true freshmen that uh, have a chance to compete. They're mm -hmm. the one percenters. Yep. The other four are usually JUCO or, or transfers mm -hmm. in. So is that kind of the, the mix of your philosophy as well? Yeah, I think it'll be a little heavier probably. Uh, you know, we've only got one high school player committed right now, and I think you can compete for a job. Uh, we've signed uh, four junior college players, and, and the conversations I'm having here is going to be a lot more junior college and uh, Division One or Division Two transfer. That's another kids. benefit of coming to ABCA, oh, the, the college uh, coaching network. It, that's where that happens. And I'm playing over. back on those relationships yeah. and the network because that's that's the name of our game. I'm not I'm not here to to a glad hand and shake hands. I'm here to recruit and get better and grow a program. And so, um, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be heavy on that end. But um, again, when you're looking at an 18 year old kid, would we love to do that? Yes, but it's got to be a top tier high school player and I think right now we're so young even our success no kid wakes up every day in the state of Georgia and hits his feet on the floor and says I can't wait to go to Georgia Gwinnett he wants to be a bulldog he wants to be a yellow jacket so usually we've got to play the long game and develop a relationship and let him go explore those opportunities yeah. realize it's not all it's cracked up to be or he's not the right fit or it just wasn't going to work out and then now we're his best place. Let's take it a step further, Sheets. If, if, a, if you're talking to a parent right now, you're in their uh, uh, family room or their kitchen, and you got mom looking at you or, oh, yeah. or dad or both, oh, yeah. and you're talking to them about sending their fresh, incoming freshman to spend four years at Gwinnett College, or you're talking to a player, this thing about transferring over. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the pitch to the parent? I love it. Teeing me up. 
pipes. You're just putting balls on a tee for me. Uh, so our, our big pitch and our mantra is we, we teach, we recruit, we develop. And uh, everybody goes, well, what about recruiting? you got to recruit first. No, we're teachers at the forefront. So anytime you run into our staff or you're thinking about our program and who we are and what we're doing, we're teachers. My players don't call me coach. My players call me sheets because I'm just, I'm just going to here to teach. We're here to teach life. We're here to teach baseball. Uh, recruit, obviously, we're going to out-recruit everyone. We're going to out-work them, we think. Uh, that's what we're working on, figuring out. But figuring out for us what's, what's the best fit. And that's culturally, that's uh, personality, that's locker room fit. Each class is going to be different. We're going to graduate next year. we got a lot of juniors, and there's a lot of personality. So I know that in next year's class, we've got to get some, some leadership. We've got to get some personality. We've got to get some extroverts. If we had 35 guys that, that talked like me, I'd lose my mind. If I had 35 <laughs> guys that were as quiet as, as, a, as a church mouse, I'd lose my mind too. So it's being smart about balancing all those things out. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely trying to, uh, to work to get the best players to become Grizzlies. This uh, take a step back and talk about sure. uh, your time with the ABCA. Every time I was around you, and, and we uh, developed a friendship, sure. we, we talk and text a lot, and uh, I appreciate that. Absolutely. You're a relationship guy. You seem to really enjoy what you did oh, uh, yeah. at ABCA. <laughs> yeah, did, did it ever feel like work? No, no, man. I'm a people guy. I love people. I'm I'm a man of the people. <laughs> that this is like my best friends and, and my wife uh you know shoots me glances at times i don't know if i have a friend that's not connected to baseball i like soccer dudes uh I'm the head men's soccer coach is actually a really close confidant of mine and um but I, I i don't have a lot in common with the guy that sells insurance i have a lot in common with baseball guys and that's just where i fall and i gravitate towards so um the networking piece the friendship the relational piece um I, again back when we talked about a minute ago it came back to serving those guys like if I got into coaching because I revered my little league coach. I got into coaching because my high school coach was instrumental in changing me into a young man. My Alan, my college coach, was instrumental in changing me. And so I revered coaches. And I think to come to this and work for the association and just walk around 7,000 bumping shoulders with these guys, did I revere these these friendships mean the world to me. And so it's a lot of names. My, uh, luckily, my, you know, my dad was terrible at names. And I got the other side of it, and I'm great with them. So I love being able to drop names on people and uh, bro hugs and, hot, and and just spending time with them and hearing where they're at and hopefully bring some value, and certainly they bring value to me. And I know you have a lot of relationships with Division One coaches, but you spent your time mainly with NAIA, Division Two, yep. Division Three coaches, is that yep. right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the job duties as, uh, you know, coaching education and outreach and assistant executive director and, and starting as college liaison that those are the levels I serve with small schools um, but again you got to keep in mind we still cover all levels of baseball and we're certainly in a lot of different uh, homes and, and our board represents a lot of different levels um, I just I, I got the job because I had spent a lot of, of my career on the small college level knowing their their ups and downs knowing what they're up against and really getting educated on the process to create change I think as a coach you hey, I don't like this rule. We should change it. Well, there's a process and steps and uh, conversations that, that have to move you in that direction to force change. And now I started to learn that, but then I also got to lead that charge with our coaching body. And so, uh, yeah, love serving those guys. And you got to keep in mind too, John, like Division One again, is relative. You're we talking about across the entire level. Uh, the top half have the same issues. The bottom half have different issues. When you look at small schools, there's some haves and have-nots, but it's more it's more across the board that we're all dealing with the same things. Small colleges right now, for the most part, are in, uh, I wouldn't say crisis mode. There's a lot that are trying to figure out how to meet budget. 
There's a lot that are closing down. There's a lot that are adding sports to increase enrollment. There's a lot that they're getting thrown on coaches that you've got to hit certain numbers so you're part of the solution to keep our doors open. Small school coaches are mainly battling the same issues. And so I was able to maybe uh, you know bring that conglomerate together and go, hey, let's get organized. Let's make sure we're on the same page. If there's an action item or there's a moment that we can create change, let's figure out how to do it. Um, and But know that I was, I was in the fight with them. I was going to try to help them out and and luckily, it's worked out. We did some cool things with NAI. We helped Lewis and Clark negotiate out of an automatic bid to the World Series. And now, hopefully, I get to flourish in that, that they, you know, I get to have a shot to, to be one of the top ten teams to make it instead of the top nine. So little things like that that, that have come to fruition that uh, were super positive that I'm really glad I had the opportunity to do. Well, at ABC, you launch a podcast, and we both talked about it. Uh, we kind of leaned on each other a little bit yes. on technology. I mean, it, it can blow your mind, all the different tools, and uh, we're, we're kind of both on the same platform now, sure. which is good to oh, share, yeah. and you know, so many options. But uh, wildly successful podcast, and that helps you reach even more coaches and and uh, players and people in the game. Yep. Uh you know, it's not quite as easy as it appears once someone just hits play and listens. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, uh, once you transitioned away from ABCA, you took a little break, but but now you got a, a mic back, back in front of you. and Back and better and, than uh, ever, man. Just launched a, a new podcast uh, just a week or two ago, I believe. Yes, about three weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, we, we ended up uh, starting a podcast about three and a half, four years ago at ABCA and trying to have a mouthpiece platform that – we could message out to coaches and, but more importantly, be a content place for those guys and have them have, you know, I want to have a great infield conversation, a great uh, outfield conversation, whatever it might be, and, and provide that. we got 143 episodes in the books. Uh, very proud of that. And then, obviously, timing of, of moving to this job. Um, I miss that. I miss that weekly conversation with somebody that, that made me better. So as much as you make it for a coach, I'm doing it. I, I want to have that conversation. I want to get better. And um, so, yeah, get, came to a situation where uh, a group uh, called Stick and Ball TV, which the ownership I'm very fond of. It's like a baseball YouTube channel. It's a collection point for trusted content. And I, I, the guys they were getting on board were all close friends of mine that I trust and admire. And I'm going, you know what, there's something here. And we start having a good conversation about would you want to get back? And, you know, I, I, my athletic director knows I, that's something I have love the platform and I love the opportunity. I don't mind talking. Um, and then I just approached and went, hey, if there's a chance here to run something, I'd love to do it. Uh, they've given me complete freedom to run it the way I want to run it, and uh, that's been an awesome piece to the puzzle. And so as you open it up, uh, John, and I'm, I'm super grateful and humbled to, to, to say this, we release our show in two weeks in. Uh, we carried over the momentum from ABCA, and, Ours is the number one ranked baseball podcast in the country and uh, number 28th overall in sports. And I'm, we're three episodes in, and I'm still working at getting better. I'm getting knocking the rust off each week. And, and for me, I'm looking at the season. That's going to be my therapy session. That's my checkout point and, and hopefully connect with somebody that can challenge me and wherever I'm at and go, I want to be better at this, man. Let's have a conversation. And I'm going to take it to my team, but I want all these coaches to use it as well. It's going to be pretty cool. What I've really enjoyed about it is you have to take a step back to prepare for the podcast. Sure. And you, you learn so much about uh, the other coach you're going to interview so. or, the, or the players or the techniques. And uh, it helps me learn throughout the process. Is that sure. what you're finding? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, you look at it and you go, if you want if you want something great, it's no different than preparing for a team. If you want something great, then you better plan and prepare. 
and you better make sure you got your ducks in a row and just no different than you going through your outline. That's what we do. We, I want to know where the conversation's going, and it takes time and research to get it to that point. Um, I think it's the same way you look at your team. Like, hey, we, we want to be great at the end of May, but we've got to win today's practice on to Monday, January 6th. We've got to win that one, and then we got to win Tuesday the 7th, and we got to we got to build this in a way that it's a journey. It's not a destination each day. And certainly the podcast the same way. We want to we want to look at this and go, can we? And, and I'm in my basement, in my studio, looking at it. I want to get better each episode, and I want to continue to be on my own growth path that I found in interviewing, in understanding people, in bringing information and bring it back to application. I'm working at that too, and I'll say I want to navigate that journey for coaches as well. So. The Dugout Chatter podcast is out there, powered by Stick and Ball TV. I, I, I'm very great, you know, happy with the product, and obviously we're going to keep working at it. And we'll put in the show notes the links to that awesome. and how listeners can get there. Awesome. Uh, she, something I'm proud of, I never saw this happening, is I've been asked to speak at the Podcast Movement Evolutions Conference awesome. uh, in Los Angeles in February. And the title oh, of my talk, that. and if you weren't busy coaching, I'd have you come out there and co-present with me oh, is wow. how do you how you turn your passion into a podcast how about that yeah that's awesome congrats on that so yeah uh and we'll keep navigating this uh, it'd be fun to see three years from now uh where we both are it's just been a fun journey sure to be able to talk baseball and life there's yes. so many uh, parallels in uh, talking baseball and and life lessons i think that's what we're both after yep. is try to reach that one listener and try to impact them and maybe tweak their thinking just enough where they go down maybe a little different path. I said this a lot, and, and some coaches have heard me say this, it, 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 but it's, it's the reality. I started the ABCA podcast thinking we were going to change the game of infield play and of catching drills. And then about 20 episodes in, I realized, dude, this is challenging the hearts of people. We have an opportunity to, to like really challenge the culture of coaching. It's about growing up better people, and it's about making them approach their kids a little bit differently and with a different spirit and so along your, your same sentiment, I think when you look at it, it's all about personal growth. So it's a baseball podcast wrapped up in a personal growth blanket, and we all want to get better. We all want to improve. We all want to move forward. And um, have, being able to navigate that but know that you're on that journey with them, it's all about – I mean, for me, John, it's about building a community. They have to know that you're in the trenches with them, and you're working at it, and you're digesting it, and it's challenging you. And certainly that, that affinity towards uh, groupthink you want it to be ultra positive and you want to help you know navigate people's journey well sheets on our video component of this podcast i did put up your your twitter handle but just for the audio uh, portion let everybody know where they can find you and get more resources uh everything going on with jeremy oh, it'll be great i appreciate that yeah so i'm, I'm on social media uh at coach sheets three uh i wear the number three because it was my dad's middle school basketball number and uh i was 32 in college but i'll always represent my dad and uh, and, and all he gave to me, obviously, Coach Sheets 3. Uh, my email, very simple, Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ggc.edu. Uh, you can follow our program at ggc underscore baseball, and we're trying to grow that account. Uh, Pipes, I, I'm, we're going to put out a lot of content this spring that I'm bringing the interview to the field. So during BP, I'm going to interview players. I'm going to interview opposing coaches. Will that be a video component as well? Yeah, it'll be all on Because I know Twitter. you started doing a little video as well yeah. with ABCA. That was yeah. fun to see lug the camera crew. And I'll, awesome. we'll talk more about that off air. Sure. But, but video is a great way to share and, and tell stories well, as like, well. And I want people to be connected with our program. I want you to feel what it's like to be on our field behind the turtle while we're taking BP. And I'm going to talk through our player and, and his development and his growth during the season or adjustments that he's making. I want to have a bridge between a fan, a coach, a player, 
recruiting. I think it's all going to have a positive kickback and residue to us. But I want to make sure that we're doing what we can to elevate and promote our kids and promote our program. And I think that's a unique way. I don't see any college baseball program doing it. And I'm spoiler alert. I'm going to jump right in the middle of it, and we're going to figure it out at GGC. Love it. Uh, now, Sheets, I know how important family is to you, uh, you know, your wife, your two small kids, uh, in, in making that decision sure. uh, to step back and, and work for ABCA and now back to, to raise your kids on a campus. Oh. Uh, that'll be a neat environment. But uh, yeah. I know how close you were to your dad. You just talked about him. Yeah. We got a headset right here. If he was here right now and chiming in, uh, what would, what would uh, Mr. Sheetinger say about uh, – uh, the young man, uh, the father, uh, the coach that uh, his son has become. Yep, I wasn't ready for that one. Um, I think about that every single day, and um, I would like to think, <laughs> I would like to think that him and I, we always go to Mexican for dinner, and, and we he would sit there and and the cool thing about my dad, and this is who I want to be for Coop and CJ, is. You know, just like any parent, he's your biggest fan. Well, he – it, it made me so – I worked so hard to make him stay proud of me. And and anything I could do to, to be in front of him, he came to every speech I ever gave Pipes. He would drive across the country to listen. He's a professional speaker. He wanted to see – all the times that he brought me to speeches and I sat in front rows and I was backstage while he was out there crushing it, he always wanted to and, and give me notes. And, it, and, it, and, dude, he was blunt. I'd sit in the car and he'd go, wasn't your best effort today. What was wrong? And, and, and so so the need, genetics have come through. I didn't realize oh, that about your dad. 1,000%. I mean, I, 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 grew up, I grew up on a stage. It's no, it, for me, it's no issue. We, we could mic this over the loudspeaker. I'm good. But it, for him... I had that, I always had, and that's why I brought to my kids in our program, and I'll raise my, my own children. It's very blunt. You knew where you stood at all times, but, you know, you knew in the spirit in which it was going about. My, I think if we sat here today, my dad would have 10, 20 jokes he'd drop on you. He was the funniest dude in any room he walked into, but I work every day to make sure I'm honoring him, and, and obviously for me, to be his son, uh, to me, has been the highest honor. I, I get to wear his number each day. Honestly, the minute I put on this uniform tomorrow and I've thought about this, I'll probably cry in my hotel room because it, it's it's real now, and I wish he could be here, and I know he'd be sitting in the front row. Wow, that is powerful. Uh, Coach Jeremy Sheetinger, thank you so much uh, for joining me today on Behind the Dish, man. It's, Thanks, it's John. Awesome. My pleasure, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. My name is Kyle, and I'm the producer for Behind the Dish with John Piper. We put a lot of effort in here to bring you the topics and guests that we think are relevant to the sport of baseball and to your everyday life. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.
Live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, CAB Incorporated presents Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Now, here's your host, Amanda Pierch. Hello and welcome to the Celebrating Powerhouse Women series on Business Radio X. We're excited to have you join us for this series that salutes and recognizes women who are making an impact in our community. This show is presented by CAB Incorporated. Since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail with their precision, machined, and iron steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. This series is also brought to you in part by McCarthy Building Companies and Cat Rangers. This morning, I am honored to welcome our powerhouse guests, Dr. Jan Joseph, president of the Georgia Gwinnett College, and Jury Hewitt-Miller, founder and principal of Wealth Horizon. Good morning, ladies. Good, Good morning. morning. Thank you for being here with us today. We will start with Dr. Joseph. And we'll dive right in. I'm so pleased and honored to have you here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've been making a lot of appearances here lately. So mm -hmm. thank you for your time. Happy to be here. Thank you. Dr. Joseph, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role as president of Georgia Gwinnett College and how you got to be where you are today. Again, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so um, pleased to be here in Gwinnett County and to serve as the third president of Georgia Gwinnett College. I started on July 1st of last year after national search, and um, I couldn't be more pleased to join the community. Gwinnett has been welcoming. It's just an amazing place. You know, I encourage everybody to come and check us out. We are a great place to live, and um, I'm excited about my college. So... For those of you who don't know of me, I came out of um, first starting my higher ed career at Grand Valley State University in Michigan. Then I went on to Eastern Michigan University, um, again with progressive roles there, from an associate dean to a dean. Then I was an executive vice chancellor and interim chancellor at IU South Bend, Indiana University South Bend. And then from there, I came to Georgia Gwinnett College last July. So I've been in higher ed for almost a couple, um, three decades now. Started off, of course, in Trinidad. For those of you who are listening, you hear the accent. And Beautiful I'm from accent. Tr Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I grew up, you know, in very humble environments in Trinidad and Tobago as the last of five kids. And, you know, throughout my, my time, I've just sort of like hunker down, work really hard, spent considerable time in school, um, had excellent support from my deceased husband, Edwin Joseph, um, raised three kids, and, you know, I just fought for it all through the years. So um, I've just been enjoying higher ed and just excited to be uh, the third president at Georgia Gwinnett College and uh, an opportunity to take the campus to the next level. Absolutely. And you look like a woman who takes charge, so I'm sure you've made great strides throughout your presidency there. Tell us a little bit about what your inspiration was to serve in higher education. Well, I think it really goes way back to when I was a teacher back in Trinidad. Um, I, I just had an amazing group of people always supported me, even when I was in high school. I, I just always liked to 
to make a contribution. I, I don't remember ever being a person who stood at the sidelines. Um, I just have no recollection of that in my early childhood, even to teenagehood. I always was part of a solution, if at all I could find it. Um, so uh, I was just inspired to teach. Um, I was doing research. I didn't have the research job that I wanted, so I was teaching, and then I fell in love with teaching. I taught middle school in Trinidad, and when I moved to the U.S., I had a chance to work with some amazing faculty at the University of Wisconsin in on the Madison campus, the flagship campus, who were very instrumental, you know, people like Joe Handelsman and Paul Williams, um, really notable um, scientists, and of course, nationally renowned scientists. And they were people who really were amazing role models for me, particularly Joe Handelsman, who is at Yale now, an amazing um, professor, teacher, uh, dedicated to helping people become really good stewards of the knowledge that we gain and how we share that. So um, they inspired me to really pursue higher ed and higher ed teaching and higher ed research as appropriate, but to give back to the next generation. And that's very important, giving mm-hmm. back. Tell us a little bit about what's ahead as you engage the students at um, GGC. Well, GGC is on a roll. Uh, we have grown from our early start where we started with 118 students back in 2006 to now almost 13,000 students. Wow. Uh, yes, it's been phenomenal. Um, just like how Gwinnett was growing, GGC grew. And now we have the most ethnically diverse campus in the Southeast region. We're the largest undergraduate institution in the nation. And the next direction for us is to expand our programs to ensure we have more majors to serve our community. Uh, we are the only public institution in a county of almost a million people. Yes. So we are aware that we have to expand some of the majors. But mostly, we're focused on ensuring that we b- remain an access campus. Campus, but not just an access campus, but a choice institution. So we are growing our honors program, we are expanding our learning communities, and we're also finding ways to ensure that the students who come in with less preparation, not because they're not um, intellectually able, but because they didn't have the preparation in high school, we are seeking opportunities to have more intensive support for them, to ensure that they're able to connect, not just in learning communities, but have supplemental instruction, mm-hmm. continue to put them in even smaller class sizes. We Our average class size is just 21 students, but wow. for those students, we are actually going to have more intensive support for them. The idea is is to have the entire boat float, not just the ones that come in as access, but the ones that come in as honors. And then we are about seven, more than 7,000 approaching 8,000 alums, and we know that those students are going to make a difference, not just in Gwinnett County, but in, I mean, the great state of Georgia, nationally and globally. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, the boards that you serve on. You Mm -hmm. mentioned a lot of... um, excuse me, a lot of participation and mm-hmm. a lot of committees. And I know yes. that you serve on multiple boards. Mm-hmm. Um, speak about a little bit, a little bit about the um, roles that you have within the boards. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm most excited about, because, you know, I have several interests, but I, w- things I want to highlight is really about my um, recent 
um, chance to serve on Rainbow Village because the reason why that is exciting for me is that I, you know, people say, "There for the love of God, go I." As you know, people say that, but this this is really about supporting women and children who are homeless, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to see us as women because we're here as powerhouse women, but we are here because people supported us and we made lots of sacrifice. So mm-hmm. the chance to serve on a board where I am able to directly impact women who are now in that disenfranchised group. I am now enfranchised. I'm now engaged. But to have a chance to serve women and their children, you know, as a mother of three three sons, as a grandmother um, of four um, kids, I could see how easy their lives could have been different if my life was different. So how do I support these women and their children through my, my work and my, my, my resource sharing in that board and, and in that space so that these women could become who I am? Those, their children could have the opportunities that I had. That's amazing. I've actually um, seen at some of the after hours, the chamber events, the Rainbow mm-hmm. Village, they come mm-hmm. and um, just trying to spread the message. Yes. And that's a, a wonderful initiative. I yeah. applaud you for being a yeah. participant. Mm-hmm. That's just one of many of the boards and mm-hmm. committees that you serve on. And that's one that's near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. Are you able to tell us a little bit about any that you serve on um, yeah. in the capacity at the at the college? Well, at the college, because I'm relatively new, I'm not serving as many boards as I serve in my previous institution. But one of the things I am really excited about is the Tongong relationship that exists uh, in Gwinnett County and beyond. Um, being active in the chamber in particular, I feel this really strong connection to so many people, including you know my new powerhouse mates. So the mm-hmm. next thing we're going to hear from her soon. Um, but certainly I feel that in that environment, I'm able to give back. You know, um, I'm able, when asked to come and speak to other women as I was able to do last week at the GLOW um, initiative and to share of my own story and out of that I have so many cards that I got from people or cards that I give to them and I'm already networking with Mm -hmm. so many people and people have asked me to support them and mentor them and to to help them understand so I'm already planning a various little coffee here or tea there to sit with with women who I speak to who hear me speak and I show there might be some of them out there hearing me now is that I am available, I'm accessible, um, you know, I'm easy to find at GGC um, president at ggc.edu. So it's easy to communicate with me and I want to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. I want to help women in any way I can achieve what I have achieved and even more. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful that you you say that you're so accessible. Oftentimes, people, even for mentorship, they might admire someone mm-hmm. or think highly or listen or follow your work, but they think that you might not be accessible as a real, tangible human. I so am. the fact that you're dissolving that barrier is yes. so exciting. I want to be approachable. I want to be accessible. I want to pay it forward because I know the importance of that. I know the importance of a person looking at you and telling you, yes, you can do this. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if people didn't say to me, yes, you should apply for this job. I was nominated for this job. I didn't even know Georgia Gwinnett College existed. Um, A colleague who had faith in me saw this position and said, this seems like a really good fit for where you could be, where you could live, where you could have the passion, where you could support first generation students as you were, because that's what GGC is about. We support First, more than 60% of our students are first generation. They're on grants, they're on federal aid. They are coming to college um, with parents who have not been in college. Mm-hmm. Um, they are coming to 
to, to college without all the advantages that so many of us had. I mean, and I was, I'm a first-generation college person myself. My, my brother, Robert, and I'm going to give him a shout-out because <laughs> I'm going to send him a link to this, who taught me to read, so I have to say it publicly, Aww. tell the whole world you taught me to read, Robert. Robert. But um, certainly it's like he went to college first, and then that gave me a little edging. Yeah. But I look back and I think about how tough it would have been for him as the first, first, first in the family, um, totally on your own, navigating the space. So the idea is how do we make ourselves accessible for those of us who got somebody, even if it's one person ahead of us or two people to say, you can do this. Two people to say, um, in my first role, um, where I had, you know, Paul Heisinger say to me, um, you could be the coordinator of this program when I stepped down and I, when I retire. And he was my mentor. He was a chair of the search committee and we remained friends for a long, long time. But the fact that he said to me, you could do this, set me on the path to doing administrative work and a chance. Because if you don't get into that sort of vein of administrative work in higher ed, you don't become a college president. You mm-hmm. just don't get up and do it. You have to go through the ranks. But he set me on that first path Mm -hmm. and here I am so you look at that throughout my time throughout my career I was willing to work hard I was willing to do the extra thing you know my mother always says you know you need to have a made the ship we had a harbor when the ship comes in, and I said, ah. well, I need a ticket. And then I decided I just didn't want a ticket and be at the harbor. I need to have a first-class ticket because I was not going in steerage. But certainly you keep aspiring for more and more and more from the people who told you that you could do it. And then when you have accomplished it, I have accomplished to the height of what you could expect from my career as a campus president. What else do I have to do now except help others? This is not about me. This is about all the people that helped me get here, the shoulders I'm standing on and how I give back to the ones who I need to pull up with me. So I'm excited for the opportunity. Well, thank goodness for women like yourself that are willing to put forth the effort and the time to, mm. to lead, guide, and direct. I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather do. Your passion obviously shines through in the way that you tell your stories and all of the participation that you give to um, your colleagues and your students. Tell us what your why is. Why do you jump out of bed in the morning, Dr. Joseph? Because I'm grateful. Um, I have on my wall a, a big thing that says thankful, and I literally open my eyes and I see it, and I and I am acutely aware how fortunate I am. Um, my life has not been like an easy peasy life. I've had lots of difficulties. You know, as I refer to my deceased husband, I lost my husband mm-hmm. um, after a very long battle with cancer. So I understand um, how. I understand how people feel when they have a hard day. I understand, and I try to be empathetic. I try to um, make sure that if I got up today, there was a purpose. Today, I got up and I said, okay, I'm going to be on the radio. I'm, I might as well know that I have to do that right because whatever I say is going to be recorded forever. So <laughs> how do I not, how do I only say something that's uplifting and positive? Mm-hmm. So that's what wakes me up every morning is the, is the idea of that I have another day to do something that's good, that's right, that's uplifting, that's helpful, um, that would contribute to making somebody do better, feel better, um, work harder, mm-hmm. just think more positively about where they are. Um, so that's what 
that's why I get up. That's my why. That's a great why. I, I really want to do something good with my life. Mm-hmm. I want my legacy to be that I didn't break it <laughs> on my way out. I think you're going to leave behind a wonderful <laughs> legacy. I know so many Thank people already you. revere you within the community. Thank you. And to that vein, um, going along kind of with what you would advise maybe a young professional um, as an inspiration what would you recommend to them if they're indecisive about the direction of their career or maybe that they're just having trouble reaching that mountaintop? Mm -hmm. What would you advise to someone out there listening to kind of surmount that hurdle? Yeah. Well, here's what I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them you can do it. I'm not going to tell them you're the best. I'm not going to tell them don't give up Um, because I think those things are too simple to say and I'm sure hundreds of people already said that to them what I'm going to say to them map it out what do you want to do set specific goals Mm -hmm. Um, don't just be your best be something so I got up this morning and I said I want to be my best on on the radio today and then I said okay what does that mean so I have to reflect on what are the things I really want to say when I ask? Um, what are the things that are important for me? What's mm-hmm. my list? What do I read about, think about this morning? So I think sometimes we tell people, oh, go be great. Um, you're the best. Um, you're wonderful. Um, you could do it. But what, is that? what does do it mean? Right. So I would say to them, sit with somebody, find mentors, find people who care about you, whether it be family, friends, and sort of map it out. Set personal goals and set personal and professional goals hmm. for every day uh, towards this thing that you want. What do you want to do in 10 years yeah. and what do you want to do today to get you one step? I think, you know, we're going to talk about finances and stuff soon with other people, um, but everything is incremental and we are in this environment that we almost want to play like a lottery with life we want to take a chance one day and just win big it doesn't happen like that um it's incremental what's the increment for today and then what's, achieve it yes and yeah. achieve it that's what i would tell them set the goals but don't just make a storyboard and put a picture of a beautiful house mm-hmm. that you want to have and and i'm not saying these are bad things i think it's good to have those vision boards right. and i know how important they are but sometimes we spend so much time with the dreaming that we're not pragmatic enough to create a plan create a plan and not just create a plan work the plan mm-hmm. live the plan get up every day and Talk about the plan. Think about the plan. Say out loud where you want to be. Positive affirmation. Yes. Positive affirmation is amazing. It actually works, but it has to be aligned to specific steps on a daily basis, on an annual basis, on a weekly basis. Don't just make a resolution. And declare it. And declare it. You know, that's, you know, that's just, that's just words. Mm -hmm. Action is what makes a difference actions speak louder than words mm-hmm. that's a, a good thing yeah. i've heard a lot of people mention the the vision boards and i yeah. like how you said that because when you think about a vision board it really is like you said a picture of the house a picture mm-hmm. of you know whatever you aspire but mm-hmm. it's not a true road to get there yeah and i really like that i'm big at writing things down myself mm-hmm. achievables and deliverables but i've never got into such great detail like yeah. you mentioned and i think one of the things about the vision board and the storyboards again i'm not Um, knocking the people who do those or who advocate for those is that so many times they're about what you want um, and what you want to become and a finite spot that you're going to. And I think the, the, the risk with that is that 
you have to think about the places and the people and the things you would touch on, the, on along the way to that end goal that you have there. And that every place and person that you touch along the way to that goal that you have in that storyboard, mm -hmm. you have to make a difference there on your way to the big picture. Right. So don't get so caught up in it that you take uh, risk or you would make poor decisions because you want to be in that end place. Um, focus on the places that you are and make a difference where you where are at. in the moment mm -hmm. and make sure that as you're working towards what might seem like a material achievement, um, a job or a salary or something, that what you're doing is also somehow contributing or helping or supporting somebody along oh, the way. Because no yeah. you want to get there and you don't want to be by yourself. Right. <laughs> you don't want to step on others to get yes. there. You don't want to leap across them. You want to help lift others up and you're a perfect model for doing yeah. that. Thank you. It's fun at the top, but it's actually more fun when you have people to dance with up there. Oh, I like that saying. And then <laughs> I just made it up, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to have to coin that. It's fun at the top, but you want to have people to dance with when you get there, Dr. Mm -hmm. Joseph. <laughs> I wanted to ask you really quickly, um, just for anybody listening out there that might be encouraged by this message and might like to check mm -hmm. out your college, how could they find out some in information about enrollment? Oh, wonderful. So if you go online right now, it's ggc.edu. Um, and we are easy to find Georgia Gwinnett College if you do a search. Um, so you could do a combination. We're going to have the links available. I'm showing the podcast. Mm -hmm. Our campus for our LinkedIn site, our Facebook site is going to be in the podcast. So we're excited about what we do. And you'll be able to see the diversity of the campus, not just the people, but our mindset. Um, very inclusive, very global environment. And um, I welcome it anybody to to just reach out to us if you want i'll meet you at the front gates and i'll give you a tour but i was I, gonna say you well, it sounds yeah. like you have an open door policy Absolutely. so you can go see dr joseph yes i know campus. of course my assistant just had a terrible panic when i said <laughs> that i had i had some great conversations with your assistant before i got to reach you so i know her well um, thank you so much, Dr. Joseph, for sharing um, your pearls of wisdom. I know everybody out there listening is excited to hear your message. My pleasure to be here, and thanks for having of me. Of course. And before we transition to our next powerhouse guest, we're going to have a message from one of our partners. Cat Rangers is saving lives of cats and kittens one paw at a time. They are the special forces of cat rescue, and all of their felines recover in their lovely home-like center in Buford while they wait to find their forever homes. Cat Rangers is growing rapidly and is always seeking financial and volunteer support. Please contribute by visiting catrangers.org today. Fantastic. We love our furry friends at Cat Rangers. Um, I, it is my pleasure to welcome our next guest, Jerry Hewitt Miller. And I apologize. I always stumble on saying your name incorrectly. Okay. Thank you for joining us. She is the founder and principal of Wealth Horizon. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, tell us a little bit really quickly about Wealth Horizon. Okay. Um, we are a comprehensive financial planning and wealth management firm. Um, we specialize in uh, higher net worth people, but we love helping everyone at any level. So um, you don't be intimidated by um, the fact that we do work with high net worth people. 
But just know that we're here as a resource for you. Awesome. I think I would fall into the realm of not quite that high of net mm-hmm. worth. So I'd be one of more of the educational clients that you, that you had. Um, as the founder and principal, tell us a little bit about what it took to build your company. Um, you've been with Wealth Horizon since 1994, correct? Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your journey to establishing the company. I'm sure that was um, an interesting an interesting path and tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Okay, great. Um, I was, you know, listening to Dr. Joseph's story and she was so um, just sure of where she wanted to go and how she was going to get there. And my story is not like that. (laughs) Um, I I always say when people ask me, uh, how did I choose this career? This career chose Chose me. (laughs) Yes, it absolutely did. And I found my niche. But uh, after I got out of college, I have a degree in clothing and textiles from the University of North Carolina. And for the first 10 years, I was in the apparel industry. I was a buyer and traveling to New York and L.A. And yes, and it sounded so exciting and glamorous, right? Well, (laughs) it really wasn't. But after 10 years, um, I was very bored. And I really think I set my sights too low. Um, And after the 10 years in that career, I realized that I I wanted more. I wanted more of a cerebral challenge. Um, I knew I was very smart. I skipped my senior year in high school and went to college early. So, um, you know, I knew that I was smart and I knew that I was motivated. So, and I always wanted to own my own business. I, from high school on, I just knew I wanted to own my own business. So, of course, I thought it was a, an apparel store, but that, luckily, that wasn't my path. So, um, I started uh, looking at different careers and actually took the LSAT, thought I wanted to be an attorney. Oh. And through that whole journey, um, a friend of mine introduced me to the financial planning and wealth management world. Mm-hmm. Um even though I didn't really understand what that entailed, everything that that entailed, um, my ex-husband at the time was very supportive. He kind of saw that I would be very good at this. So um, with that support and with his confidence in me, I took the leap. Mm-hmm. And my, my first couple of years... Um, you know, I ended up being rookie of the year. Um, Congratulations. And I did excel. Um, but I realized that I wanted to be totally independent. I didn't want to be an employee. I wanted to sit on the same side of the table as my clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, 25 years ago, I broke out on my own and opened Wealth Horizon and I saw the vision that people were going to want that unbiased advice, mm-hmm. not having to wonder if their advisor was going to get paid more because they were steering them in this direction. Right. So I started as a fee-based financial planner. And 25 years ago, that was unheard of. Mm. And today... 
you hear a lot about fiduciaries and uh, making sure that you do what's in your client's best interest. I think that I truly was a visionary 25 years ago seeing that that was the direction. That you wanted to go, yeah. Yes. You were invested in the relationship aspect, not exactly. just, just their dollars. Exactly. And I think people are more inclined to trust you in that regard as well because you formed that relationship with them and they are able to trust you um, with, with something that was very valuable to them. Right. And, you know, financial planning, wealth management, it isn't all about money. Um, I have conversations with my clients about so many things that have nothing to do with money. So you're um, a counselor, too. You know what? I am. <laughs> never never planned to be, uh-huh. but yes, I am. I mean, the relationships that I develop with my clients are very solid. I've mm-hmm. got clients that have been with me from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we become we become almost family members um they become a part of our family wealth horizon and many of them i do feel like i'm a part of their family they uh introduce their children to me and tell them that they feel like they've gotten wise counsel and that maybe they should listen to me and get some advice so it's it's incredibly fulfilling i know that i'm making a big difference in people's lives so that takes me kind of to to the question that I asked Dr. Joseph as well Um, it sounds like you're very passionate and enthusiastic not only about your business but about helping people and the Mm -hmm. relationships that you form through the process what would you say your why is Jury why do you jump out of bed in the morning to help people to help people absolutely Um, I am um, very similar in Dr. Joseph there's a word that guides my life today what is that word grateful grateful great thankful and grateful Uh uh-huh and um i am i i pinch myself i came from very humble beginnings and never dreamed i would have the life i have today um you built it for yourself well i had a lot of help along Mm -hmm. the way i had people that believed in me i had mentors and um I had, uh, I remember one of my first supervisors in this business said, you know, one day, Jerry, you're going to look around if you just keep working hard and you might be one of the last men standing. Of course, that's what he said. Woman. Right, (laughs) right. Um, He said, but you're going to be giving speeches. And you know what? That's turned out to be true. And it has been hard. I mean, I spent... 14 years I was single and did nothing almost nothing more than work and just built my practice and uh, got very involved with the Gwinnett community Mm -hmm. uh, with the Gwinnett chamber and certainly that has helped uh, us build what horizon The Chamber is a wonderful organization. I Mm -hmm. very much enjoy participating in all facets, and I get to meet lovely individuals. Mm -hmm. Although we didn't meet at the Chamber. Actually, we did last night for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very exciting about your business. Congratulations to your success. Uh, I'd like to rewind just a little bit, because obviously you said that when you went to school, it was for textiles. So what did the 16-year-old Jury want to do when she grew up? I thought 
that I wanted to own a boutique, a clothing boutique. Um, but I really was aiming too low. That's what I found out in my 20s, is that I was aiming too low. Um, my mother was very achievement-oriented, and she actually went back to college when she was 30. And um, I wish that my mother always told me I could do whatever I wanted to, but I really wish that they would, my parents would have said, aim higher, aim higher. And if I could give one piece of advice to any young woman out there wondering what she's going to do with her life and um, looking at the different career options, aim higher. Shoot for the stars. It's shoot for the stars mm-hmm. and put yourself out of your comfort zone because I didn't think I would ever end up in financial planning and wealth management. And it was out of my comfort zone. But what I found out is the soft skills, the people skills I have, that's what's made me successful. Um, All of the number crunching and all of that. I mean, technology can do that Uh for us today. but The human factor. Right, the Mm -hmm. human factor. But... um, you know, I'm an avid reader, I'm an avid researcher, and I love doing that, but the reason I get up every day, and I I do, I ask, hey, God, who can I serve today? Who needs to hear um, a comforting word? Who needs to hear some encouragement? And I look for that. I look for those people. And, and you lift them up. And I do. I do. I try to spend time. I try to make time uh, for anyone that comes to me asking for advice or just some time to listen to them. Well, I'm sitting amongst two wonderful servants here today, and I'm learning here as much as everybody else that's out there listening. I think what I'm gathering from your message, from both of your messages, definitely pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And don't be scared when someone asks you for assistance. Take that time out of your day and out of your life to invest in them, because once upon a time, even people in this room have mm-hmm. taken the time to invest in me or us mm-hmm. as individuals, mm-hmm. and then it is our turn to, to pay it forward, right. for lack of better term, for lack of better words. You mentioned that you're an avid reader. What are you yes. reading right now, or what have you recently completed um, <sighs> that you could recommend or that's interesting? Oh, my reading list is so long. I'm usually reading four books at a time. Oh. Uh, I so, can't juggle that many uh, stories in my head. Uh, well, a lot of times I'm reading something just for pleasure, mm-hmm. but I'm always reading something about education. my industry, something about the market. Uh, I love history, mm-hmm. and I truly believe that um, if we don't remember history, we're going to be doomed to um, repeat, repeat it. it. Yes. Yes. So um, I read a lot of history, and I think it helps me put things in perspective mm-hmm. when people say this is the worst time we've ever lived in. No, it's no. not. Yeah. <laughs> Every time in history has something worse it's it's issues (laughs) and it's problems and you know what find a solution we're civilized we're lucky that we live in the time that we live in i mean we have so many resources so like dr joseph i don't want to be around those negative people Mm -hmm. you can always find everywhere negativity you can turn on the news and find negativity 
I want to focus on what's right. I want to focus on the solutions. What do we need to do to make something better than it is right now? To make an impact. Mm-hmm. That, that brings me to my next question um, about giving back. Mm-hmm. What are some organizations or some some something that you participate in that you're um that you enjoy that gives back to the community amanda i am so glad you asked me that because um when i went through leadership Gwinnett, Gwinnett, yeah yeah back in 2015 it really opened up my eyes to the needs of this community um you know we're a very prosperous community but we have a, a portion of our community that um underserved underserved uh underfed um homeless Mm -hmm. uh drug addiction there are so many needs in our community and my eyes really got open to that so four years ago i started um something called the gwinnett giving girls it's a giving circle and i did it in conjunction with the community foundation of northeast georgia and the first year was about 18 women, um, we all came together and we donated money. And the purpose of that was so that we could give a grant to um, a very deserving smaller nonprofit. And our focus is on nonprofits that serve women and children. Yes. So the first year, we gave a grant to a woman who realized that a, that a lot of single women are held back from going back to college or going to maybe a technical school to help them get further ahead. So her nonprofit was raising money to help women like that have child care. Oh, because so they can go to school. Exactly. Yes. That is like such a big um, detriment yeah. Yeah, in, in a young woman doing that. So the exciting thing about that grant, Mm -hmm. even though we gave her what I consider a small grant, $5,000, to her it was huge. And she came back and reported to us this year, she just got a $100,000 grant from a foundation. Wow. So she contributes that belief that we had in her backed up by our grant of getting her to where she is now. Oh, that's amazing. Right. So fast and so fulfilling. And so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, uh, now we're in our fourth year, and we have about 50 members, and now we're giving two grants. And the way we decide who we're going to give them to, we have a committee that goes uh, and vets about six nonprofits mm-hmm. that are nominated to us, and we have them come in and present to us. So we have three uh, come on one evening and three come on another evening. And then in December, we have a Christmas party and we give our grants. That's exciting. So it it really is. I'm so excited about the enthusiasm. And as people, more and more women are hearing about it, they're like, oh, I want to come to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you had uh, 50 people on the committee or that participate in the in the, the Gwinnett group. giving girls in Gwinnett giving girls and I'm sure that started out with just a handful so it, in the four years time you've grown not only the volunteers and participants mm-hmm. but you've grown the number of people that you've been able to impact yes 
That's so exciting. It sounds like you and Dr. Joseph both have a similar passion um, for for giving back. And and I would agree with you. It is um, very underserved um, portion of of the community. Mm -hmm. And I would say I don't have any children myself, but I can only imagine when I was in college how difficult it would have been to juggle child care in addition to furthering my education. So I applaud you for your Gwinnett Giving Girls. I'll have to check that out online. Please do. Yes. We do We do have Facebook page. Okay. I'll like you on Facebook page. Yeah. Very cool. Well, to anybody that's out there with, with all the inspiration that you've given, not only about yourself and about, um, what what would you consider this? A nonprofit that you yes, started? Yes, it's a nonprofit. You're a nonprofit. Right. What advice would you give to someone out there that's looking to kind of get the wheels going, kind of um, move forward and advance within their career or an initiative that they're trying to begin okay well for your career I definitely advise find mentors and um, you know who you choose to surround yourself with um, is I think the most important thing in getting you to the next level and the next level you want to uh, be around people that will inspire you be around people that believe in you and will help you have confidence in yourself when you may not Um, and read 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 I was on a panel interestingly enough with uh, Terry Jandal Uh the owner underwriter right of this wonderful show right (laughs) and she said you know, reading has been everything for her in terms of um, of just Staying opening sharp, her yeah. eyes to what's out there. And I think a lot of times as women, um, we have negative self-talk. And you have to turn that we off. Do, yeah. yeah, you have to turn it off. You have to just, I mean, very intentionally when negative thoughts come into your mind about you rebuke them right you just have to say no i i'm gonna i'm gonna turn that that thought around and i'm gonna make it something positive so um in terms of starting a new initiative Mm -hmm. i think that the best advice that i could give you i loved uh dr joseph's advice about you you've got to have a plan Mm -hmm. you have to have a plan you have to have goals and you have to measure them and you have to go back and see where you were successful where you weren't you're going to learn from the areas that you weren't successful in you are going to learn and if you Take those lessons and you build on those. And next time, try something else. But the most important thing with starting a new initiative is to have a plan. And start working that plan and things will things will unfold. You know, some of them might not be pleasant, but just keep going, putting one foot in front of the other. And you'll be surprised when you look back. You know, like I think about my career, you know, overnight success, <laughs> 25 years later. Boom. Right, uh-huh. right. But um, just persevere. work that plan. Persevere. 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 Well, I don't, I don't want to discredit before we depart all of the committees and boards that you also serve on. Mm-hmm. So I do have your bio here in front of me. So I understand that you are not only on the board of the Chamber of Commerce, but also 
for the Gwinnett Leadership Organization of Women. Yes. I'm unfamiliar with that program. Tell um, us a little bit about it. Gwinnett Leadership Organization for Women is actually um, a program that is a part of the chamber. Okay. So, uh, in fact, Dr. Joseph last week was on a panel of powerhouse women for glow for glow yes Yes. so um it's an amazing organization sometimes we have 150 women 175 women that attend our luncheons and you can find out about it by going to the gwinnett chamber of commerce website and um just a little plug we have a luncheon next tuesday and we have the vice president of Kendra Scott <gasps> coming to talk to us about branding. Nice. And uh, isn't that here? Yes. At this hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, it yes. is. It's at, at it's the at Sinesta. the Sinesta. Yeah. Yes. So um, we bring those type of programs to professional women, to community leaders, uh, to young professionals. It is so important if you are a young woman in this community. Get connected mm-hmm. with other young women. And GLOW is a great place to do that, Gwinnett Leadership Organization for Women. Ah, There's that's also, what that stood for. Silly me. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other uh, organization I would have them look at is Young Professionals. Mm-hmm. I'm a participant. You're a participant. Yes. Okay. So you can get connected with these groups. Just, you know, don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, Find out how you can get connected and come to these organizations and you're going to meet women who will love to help you. Like-minded. Yes. I like it. Yes. Well, I'm going to um, have to check out the GLOW event. I, I knew it was coming up, but I, I was unfamiliar with when. So thank you for Tuesday. reminding me. Tuesday. Tuesday at 1130. And I they have a panel of powerhouse women as well. And I'm yes. excited to hear what they have to say. Um, are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience that's listening about just about anything? Sure. Um, Yes, I have a parting thought. And my parting thought is every day do something kind for yourself. Oh, for yourself. For yourself. Because if you aren't full, if I'm not full, if I don't, for me, it's working out, exercising Mm -hmm. every morning, spending my time, my quiet time in the morning. I get up early, so I have a good 30 minutes that I can uh, focus on positive things and think about my day ahead and reflect reflect and think about what I want that to look like with people that I'm going to be meeting with. Um, So I am full. When I walk out my door, I am full and I'm ready to give to someone else. So be kind to yourself. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that because we oftentimes forget about ourselves when we're doing so many things for others or for our careers. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I do take the time to work out, but I never thought about it as, as loving myself or doing for myself, like you just said. So I'll have to take that into consideration. Those endorphins, they're, they get 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 you going. going. Orange theory. Yeah. Shout out. Thank you ladies so much for your time today. I'm truly honored to have had the chance to speak to both of you. I know all of our listeners were able to um, find some some knowledge and some tidbits in there that they can use and take forward. Um, before we go, I did want to mention that Celebrating Powerhouse Women is presented by CAB Incorporated. And this series is also brought to you in part by McCarthy Building Companies.
McCarthy is a community-based general contractor specializing in healthcare, education, aviation, and commercial construction projects. They are committed to helping their clients achieve their short and long-term strategic goals. The McCarthy Partnership for Women believes that diverse perspectives drive better outcomes and is thrilled to support this Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. I want to close really quickly with something that came to mind when we were chatting about obstacles and uncomfortability. Uh, Mark Owen has a saying that says, become comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Now, when you think about that, it's like, what? Become comfortable in the uncomfortable. How do I do that? Well, I think that you guys both capitalized on how we can all do that and achieve success. Mm -hmm. So again, thank you ladies so much for being with us. This podcast will be available for you guys to share and listen to afterwards. Mm -hmm. It'll be on our website at businessradiox.com. Also on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app. Remember that you can listen to our live broadcast every Friday at 1130 a.m. on Business Radio X by selecting the Gwinnett Studio. And until next time, I'm Amanda Pierch, and this has been Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.